until now, we've been speaking about <coughs> first views. First, as I said, we know it's the concept of beauty, which is really the concept of fragmentations that are blended into a holistic design, a holistic entity. Uh, it's also the concept of uh, civilization, majest- majestic civilization, uh, and so on. And Oiz, of course, is Hatzlocha, the success, or another word for this potency, the ability to do, to succeed in whatever you want to do. Those are the concepts of first and Oiz and so on. Uh, what I'd like to do today is to go into what's called the history of first Oiz, which is fascinating. Where does it start with? We know that these are the attributes of the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence. First, of course, is the, the uh, integration of the entire reality. Uh, that Shekhinah, of course, is knowledge, is reality, in a specific surah or form, which is a concept, of course, is that there is an incredible harmony of, of the entire reality, which is what we have to ultimately see. Uh, and the Shekhin, of course, has eyes, malchus, uh, the ability to perform, to do, and sloch and so on. So, therefore, Klai Yisrael has them also, because Chathu, we and God are really one. Uh, as I said, there's an identicality between God, Shekhinah, Klai Yisrael, Torah, and Eretz Yisrael, what's called Chathu, it's an identicality. Uh, without going into that and so on. But anyway, therefore we have to noise, as it said in the Rochus in the beginning. Oiti Yisrael B'Sif Oro, who crowns Israel with first, and Oiti Yisrael B'Gvura, right? And Oiti Yisrael B'Gvura, and he girds Kaisrael with might, Gvura, and so on. In any case, so we have that. What is interesting to think about is the, is the, uh, the history of this. Where do we see this? In the, in, in the beginnings. Very fascinating. And when we do that, we're going to come to certain answers, very interesting realizations of what's going on. And it answers a lot of difficult questions. You know. Uh, actually, tonight we can begin, Pashas told us. Tonight, the Kriya. And Pashas told us, of course, begins the story of Esau, Yaakov and Esau, of Yitzchak, they didn't have kids. And then finally, uh, Yitzchak was uh, 60 had Yaakov and Esav, and that begins the story of the rivalry, if you can look at it that way, between Yaakov and Esav. But, in the, in the, but the, the, Yaakov and Esav is an incredible story. Most people don't have a handle on this, other than the fact that the narrative, the narrative says there's Yaakov and there's Esav. There's an incredible rivalry between the two. You know, Yaakov being Yoshiva Holom, Yaakov is the one who learned Torah. He dwelled in tents, which means he learned Torah, and Esav, of course, was Isodeh, he used to go out, you know, he's an outdoors man, if you want to say that, you know. Um, and then, of course, you have the rivalry that they have for the affection of their father, then you have the concept of the brochus, many, many, I, the, the story uh, proceeds in three parshas, you know, it's told us, Vayetzim, Vayishlach. What really is the story of Yaakov and Esav, which is really unknown to most people? A lot of questions you can ask. Why were they twins? How can two opposites be twins like that? You know, they were identical. They were not fraternal. Yes, they were identical. Of course, they were identical. You see that 
because when it came in the end, when uh, they were burying Yaakov, they brought him to, you know, from Egypt, they brought him up to Eretz Yisrael, the Moros HaMachpela, right, the cave of Machpela, right, so all of a sudden Esav shows up and says, excuse me, I belong here, not Yaakov. He wants to be buried in the Moros HaMachpela, you see. So it said, Chushim ben Don, Chushim the son of Don, I think he was mute, he couldn't, or he couldn't, certainly couldn't hear. So he didn't understand what was going on. So he said, well, what kind of an incredible insult is this to Yaakov and Mino? You know, here he said, you know, it's a bizarre for a body to be out of the kfura. So he took his sword and he could not face Yasef from the front because he said he looked like Yaakov. So he went to the back and just cut off his head. And they, uh, that's how Esau died. Wasn't Esau more hairy than we had Whatever it was, but I'm just telling you, he couldn't face Yaakov, uh, Esau, because Esau looked like Yaakov. There you are. And fraternals don't look like each other. Right. But in any case, so you had to go to the back of him, just cut off his head, completely through uh, decapitation, and the head of Esau rolled into the grave where Yaakov Abin is not buried. I think it's mamish together, which is a very hashkothic, that the head of Esau belongs there, but the body... It's not long But anyway, so there you see clearly that Yaakov and Esau looked alike. So identical twins. Yeah, they were obviously with different care, you know, one was more reddish, whatever, but essentially they were identical, you know. Look, even identical twins have differences, whatever. So the real question is, there are many questions that you can ask about Yaakov and Esau. Why were they twins and so on and so forth. But I want to ask a question, and that begins our understanding. <clears throat> if I asked you, how many of us were there, what would you answer me? Uh, initially? You'd tell me three. And if I asked you how many immorals there were, right, how many matriarchs there were, of course you would say four. So then the question, of course, is why? Why are there three of us near four immorals? That's the question. I would speak about this, maybe. Sure. Yeah, okay. But I, Those I, who heard the show, they would say four already. So Since you raised the question, you could say that there were six. Four who? tribes came from two others. Who? No, how many of us were there? No, I'm saying matriarchs. You are four. But you could say that there are six because four tribes came from two other women. Two mother, yeah. But, but for some reason, they never include Bill and Zilpa, which right. is interesting. Right. Which is uh, actually what they really were, concubines. Or no, they actually probably were wives. You know, they were they were really also uh, daughters of Lovin. So I mean, they were also daughters of uh, Roch and Leah, uh, Bill and Zilpah were sisters. Whatever, whatever, whatever the the Medrash says, you know. And anyway, in, in any case, but they're, they're not considered as Imos, which itself is very. They are mothers of tribes. Yes, they are mother clearly mothers of tribes. <laughs> but they're not considered Imos anyway. But the but the the beginning of the real story, and which is very important. <clears throat> is that there are really four of us, which we know. Four of us, not three. There's Avram and Yitzchak, and then there's Yaakov and Esau. Esau was an of. Most people do not know this, but Esau was a patriarch. In fact, there is a sefer called the Panech Rosa. He's a Rishon. He wrote a sefer called Panech Rosa, and he writes that, they, that Esau was twice as great as Yaakov Avinu. Know. The Gematria of Yaakov is twice, the Gematria of Esau, I think it's 376, is twice Yaakov with the Vav. So he writes that 
the, 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 the avahus, the patriarchate, so to speak, of Esau is twice as great as Yaakov. It's astounding. So the real question we have is why they're two? And why they're twins? What's going on here? And the answer to that is that there are different spheres, ten spheres. Avram Avinu, he was an expression of a certain sphere called chesed, kindness. Chesed. And Yitzhak was the expression of a sphere called gvura, strength. And then together they merge into a sphere called tferis, which is beauty, which is really the harmonization of chesed and gvura. But what's interesting about tferis, so the question is, who represents tferis? So we would assume it's Yaakov, because Yaakov is always considered an expression of tferis. That's true, but it's really not totally true. Why? Because Tferis, which is a middle sphere, has two sides. Every center has two sides. There's a right of center, and there's a left of center. <coughs> That's the concept of center. <coughs> it, involves, you know, it involves the merger of two different sides. So therefore, there's a right of center, and there's a left of center. So there's a right of Tferis, and there's a left of Tferis. This is what happens. So what do we have? So Yaakov of Vinu represent Tferes, but the right side of Tferes. Esav represents Tferes, but the left side of Tferes. Very interesting. So they both are manifestations of a sphere of Tferes, beauty. Okay? Except both sides are represented by two people. Yaakov on the right and Esav on the left. As such, we have to ask ourselves, well, what's the job of both of these people? What's the idea of these people? And the idea would be that Yaakov would represent the right side and Yesu would represent the left side. Because fundamentally there are two jobs in Klai Yisrael. In the beginning by Adam Rishon, Adam Rishon's job was to bring down a certain amount of ore, light. And what that would have meant is that he would have uh, a, a renewed or re-energized or retransformed creation in a certain way. But what happened is when Odom sinned, he gave enormous power to an opposing force called the Sultan. You see. And the Sultan would have enormous power as a result of sin. I had mentioned, you know, uh, last time or whatever, that Odom was supposed to bring down a certain ore. And that's what he was supposed to do. But when he sinned, he gave some of that all to the Sultan. And I mentioned that the relationship between Kleinsville and the Sultan is that when we do a mitzvah, we bring down the or, or what's called the sparks of holiness. When we sin, the sparks of holiness that we would have brought as a result of the mitzvah goes to the left side, goes to the other side. So the Sultan has them. So the Sultan has them. And that's called the Sultan is unique from the Kedusha. That the Sultan energizes himself. So it's unique means he, he actually nourishes or eats from that. So therefore, the ore comes down, but the question is which side gets it? So when we do the mitzvahs, we bring the ore down and we get it. When we do the Avera, Chet, then we bring down the energy, but the Sultan is able to unique from that energy. I had mentioned many times that this is the relationship. If that's the case, then there's two jobs Klai Yisrael has to do. The first job 
is to take away all the kedusha, the energy, the whole, the, the kedusha, the holiness that the sultan has gotten because of the sins, to take it back, right, and then to bring down the rest. How do you do that? So essentially, the way you do that is that if you are tempted to do a chet and you withstand the temptation, so that takes away the kedusha <coughs> or the the uh, the uh, divine energy from the sultan. That's what it does. So going to the what's called the land of the Sutton and to withstand the Tumma, the 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 uh, the uh, temptations of the Sutton, by withstanding it, you actually draw out the energy of the Sutton. You deplete him. Very important concept, and that's really what the, that's one of the ways of taking out from the Sutton whatever he has has. Okay, there are two other ways to do it. So mitzvahs draw down the energy, the sparks of holiness to us. To, go, to be tempted and to withstand the temptation draws our energy from the sudden. But besides that, but that's still doing the mitzvah. Because the sudden tempts you and you do the mitzvah. Okay. But also, what also takes out the energy is tshuva. If you repent on a sin, so the sudden has to relinquish the energies that he has. <clears throat> or if you suffer, Yisurim, they also take away the energy of the sudden. So ultimately speaking, the avoid of Christ's will is either to do mitzvahs, in which case they initially bring down the oil, light, energy, or they do tshuva, repent, and they take it out, or they suffer, and they take it out also. So we're talking about three ways. But one of the important ways of taking out the energy also is to withstand the temptations of the sudden. Okay, so, if you do mitzvah, so the job of Yaakov Avinu was called Hispashtis Kedusha, to expand holiness. How? By Yeshiva Holoma. You see, the concept of Yeshiva Holoma, dweller of tents, right, isn't something that he did. It's really, that's what his job was, to sit in the tent and to learn Torah, and therefore to bring down enormous amount of Kedusha. The job of Esau is called Kfiasura, Tachas Kedusha, to subdue or subjugate evil underneath Kedusha by getting it to relinquish its Kedusha back into Klai Israel. So now we understand two jobs. There's the first job, which is Espashtas Kedusha, and that's the job of Yaakov Avinu. His job was to learn in Yeshiva, so to speak, is to learn Torah, and therefore to bring down the awe which is connected to Torah. Esav's job was to do what? Esav's job was to take out the Kedusha, the sparks of holiness, from who? From the Sotan. And that's called Kfias Hora Tachas Kedusha. Very important concept. So really, they were both of us. They both had this enormous power to do this job. Um, to do the job that each one was assigned. But in the end, since they both are part of Ferris, right? So therefore, that's why they're twins, you see. The reason why they're twins is because they both had the same, they both had the same job of bringing down a certain aspect of Tferis, okay, and therefore they were twins, except one was right side, the other was left side. That's the logic of what they were. And that's a very important idea, you know. Ramchal mentions this, these two uh, understandings of Yaakov and Esau as, as uh, right and left side of Tferis. In the Kines Hashem Tzavokas, and that's safer. 
And there are others that speak about this also. But it's a topic, it's a theme which is unknown. Which is interesting. It's unknown. But now we begin to understand. Now, what we also begin to see is that the story of Yaakov and Esau is really the story of two of us. One which failed, Esau. Esau is a story of, of that failed to do his job. And which is really in many ways astounding that Esau <coughs> failed to do his job. So what happened was, is that, and, and that was what we begin to encounter a real story. There are many questions which are answered by these two, this, this thing. Right and left sides and his, uh, the fact of Yeshiva Holom and Ishsodeh. So Esau Ishsodeh is a man of the field. Not that he, that, that's what he did. That was his job, is to go into the world and be subjugated to the Nisoyen, the temptations of the world, and to withstand, be righteous in that place, and therefore to weaken the Sultan and ultimately to destroy him. That's the job of Esau. He was an Ishsodeh. Not because he liked the outdoors, because that was his job. A Yaakov was because that was his job, not because that's what he did. He did that because that's really what the both purposes of both of these people were. Very important idea, very interesting, you know. And they, 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 this kind of not, will answer over 150 questions. Just the, this, this idea that I just told you now. Yeah, so many. I want to give a share. I have. 15 cassettes on this. Each one is an hour and a half. I have 25 hours of this stuff answering these 150 questions. I'm just giving you like the, the tip of the iceberg, you know, and, and, and so on. But it's very important because we begin to see something else. Okay. What I just say... Asa's offspring has to... What was that? Asa's offspring has to do that job now. Asa... Well, yeah, what we'll say, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this answers so much of what's going on. But in any case, what I want to begin to show you is this. If Yaakov Avinu's job is to bring down Kedusha, yes, because of the learning the Torah, what is that really? That's called Tiferes, isn't it? It's the Tiferes of the Tiferes. But if Asaph's job is to go into the world, to remain righteous, and to subdue the Sultan, to destroy him actually, What's that called? Oh, he's interesting. So you begin to see the origin of first Oiz that in certain ways they're split. The job of Yaakov, which is the Kedusha, which is the Torah, is Tferis, is beauty. Because that's what the Torah is. The Torah is an Achdos, is an amalgamation, or, an, or is a, is a com- combining all reality under the concept of enable Vandal. Torah is ultimately in. Okay, so that's Tferis, beauty. It's the ultimate idea. And the concept of Esau to go into the world and subdue it and be the boss, so to speak, you know, to be the Shelet or the Shalet, whatever, right? That's Oiz. It's classic Oiz. The ability to go out and conquer the world and subdue it and bend it to righteousness. That's Oiz. So there we are. We now begin to see the concept of Tferes and Oiz as they exist in its origin. Interesting. You see. And that is very revealing. Once you have this understanding of these themes, there are many things that really <laughs> fall into place. A whole different level of understanding. 
So, we now have what's called the fundamental structure <coughs> of, of the events that will now follow uh, in terms of these two jobs. And by the way, which I, I'm sure I mentioned once, that's the concept of why there are two Mashiachs. Mashiach bin Yosef is Uz. His job is to do what? Is to go into the nations and to destroy the Sultan, to take back all the Kedusha that the Sultan has. You know, that's, a Mashiach Medovit is the job of taking down the rest of the Kedusha. That's why there are two Mashiachs. Why? Because Odom, like I said, created the second job of the uh, Sultan being unique or taken from the Kedusha, the holiness. So therefore you need two individuals or two forces. One force is Mashiach and Yosef to, the, to take back all the ore from the Sultan and to destroy the Sultan. And the other <coughs> job is, is uh, first, in a certain sense, which is Mashiach and David, and he brings the kingdom of God. So is Mashiach and David really the one who's supposed to once Mashiach ben Yosef brings back the the world to the matzav of Adam Rishon, Mashiach ben David is supposed to really yeah. do Adam's job the way it was supposed to have been done. Yeah, in a certain sense, yes. But that's the origin of the two Mashiachim, because they are two jobs, which now we begin to realize is split between Yaakov and Esau, you see. So we now have the origins in certain ways, at first we always, at least in terms of Klai's world, you know, the Jewish people and so on, you know. Um, yeah. Although you find that also in Avram and Yitzhak in different ways and so on. Anyway. Okay. So we now begin to encounter the story of uh, Yaakov and Esau, first noise, uh, <coughs> to bring down holiness and to also to <coughs> subdue the sudden. Okay. What is interesting, however, there's certain interesting ideas. One of them is that in order... <coughs> now, Esau is what's called an Av. That means he's a Shurish Neshama. He's not just a Neshama, he's a Shurish. He's a root soul of many of the souls that can come out of him. It's like a fire. You know, there's a fire, and many sparks can come out of the fire, and the interesting <coughs> thing is that the fire itself never gets diminished. That's what fire is. It never diminishes, no matter how many sparks come out of it. So the fire could, could said to be the, the, the foundation block that <coughs> rise to many other uh, uh, blocks and so on. So that's called a shirish neshama, a root soul. A root soul is a neshama that can give rise to many other neshamas. That they are therefore called nitzaitzim, sparks, all having similar characteristics to the original. So therefore, if if Yaakov, if Yaakov is a Shurish Neshama, and he gives off, uh, he has the, the ability to give off many other Neshamas, Yaakov Avino, uh, that's Yaakov. And Esav is also a Shurish Neshama. Esav is a Shurish Neshama, which means he has an unbelievable soul. But then the question is, if his job is to subdue the Sultan, then he's got to be tied the sovereign. It's the old story. You know, your job is to conquer. You, you have to have an incredible connection to that place that you have to conquer. So that's why you find that the Sutton was the, the, the that the, the Sutton, Sam Kale, I don't want to say his name, because whatever, that is the Malach of, of the Sutton, of, of, of Asa. Yeah. 
That's why we find later on <coughs> that when Yaakov fought the Malach, that Malach was the Sultan, which was the Malach of Esau. Now, the question is, what's that? What's he being the Malach of Esau? And the answer is because since he was a Shurish Neshama, so he was connected to the Shurish of Tumor, or the Shurish of evil, which is the Sultan, right? And they have to be connected so that he, by being righteous, can destroy the Sultan. <coughs> is this why? So, in many ways, it's a gamble, you know? If you all remain righteous, which is what Asaph should have done, <coughs> right, then you will destroy the Satan by taking back all the Nitzitzis, all the Kedusha. But what happens if you decide to join the Satan? Then the Satan takes you over. You know, it's, it's a gamble in a certain sense. So the, the Satan becomes your Malach, literally. It becomes your Yetzirah. That's why you find, and this answers a very important question. You know, you ever wonder, it says that when Rivka used to go past in a, a shul, so Yaakov used to clamor to come out, right? And when what's that, when, when that's, you know, and then when she went past the Avedah Zorah, then Esav used to clamor to come out. So finally she, she said to herself, this is ridiculous. I mean, Svami Shintanao's Pasha, right? What am I supposed to do, right? So she went to somebody, whatever, and so on and so forth. So the question that you immediately ask is, does this make any sense? You know, these kids are not even born yet. They're embryos. If the embryos have such an inclination where Yaakov wants to go out and bust out into a, a base mattress and Asa wants to bust out into another Zorah, where's their free will? Where's their Bechira? Obviously, Asa had Bechira. Why would the Torah call him a Russia? Asa for Russia, right? And you see that in, uh, where Roshim says, it's Asa for Nasi, I hated Asa. Even the VM, whatever. You know, I don't understand this. If if he has a Yetzirah that is so powerful that he doesn't even he's not even born yet to know what an Avodah is, yes. So he's finished. He's doomed. You know. So then, why do we call him Russia? Ever wonder about that? Where's this guy's Bechira? We should all sit and and, and and be sorry for this kid, Esav. You know, instead of wow, he's a Russia, he's a Russia. What Russia? This is the question. And the answer is, he wasn't a Russia, really. He could have been a Tzaddik. He became a Russia. But then the question is, how? And the answer is, what you're looking at when it has the embryo clamoring to get out, <coughs> right? To go to Nebuchadnezzar Zorah, that's not Bechira. That simply means temperament. That was his temperament. That he was incredibly driven to satanic temptations. But that wasn't him. In other words, every kid is born with a certain temperament. It's, temperament is different from personality. Temperament is what you're born with. Personality is what you learned. You learn how to adjust to the world based on the environment, your parents, your peers, and so on. A personality is a learned way of behaving. A temperament is a way you're born with. That's why you see kids born. You know, some kids are, they can't stand noise. And the kid's like four days old. And some kids just lie there. They don't do anything, you know. Nothing bothers them, you know. Kids are born with clearly different, not personalities, temperaments. The and that's says genetic. That blood, In many ways, that's genetic. You blood letter, you can what? The Gemara says that if you have a temperament for blood, you can either become a shaykhit or you can yeah. become a shaykhit. So that's temp the concept of, well, there you could say it's... Uh, Oh yeah, okay. Let's say temperament, whatever. Okay, you know, 
It could be personality too. But anyway, but so what you're really looking at when you look at Asa trying to bust out and worship idols, what are you talking about? A, a, a he's not a boycha. He's, he's an embryo. He's not even an infant. You know? What we're looking at is the unbelievable temperament of a child to be seduced to be over of Zara, which when he's born, he's going to have to contend with. You see, that's what you're looking at. So therefore, of course he had Bechira. Now, if you're going to say, yeah, wait a minute, even if he has this temperament, but still, you know, you're born with that kind of a temperament, you know, what are you going to do? You know what I'm saying? So I will show you something very interesting. Esau was an unbelievably strong individual. Like I told you from the Paneach Raza. The Paneach Raza says, like I said, that the gematria of Esau is twice Yaakov, 376, with the Vav, Yaakov with the Vav. And he says that Esau's power was twice as great as Yaakov Avinu's. Now that is no small change. I mean, we, we don't even know what Yaakov Avinu was. We're going to wonder what Esau was. I mean, what, what that Panech Raza is saying is that he could have been twice as great as Yaakov Avinu. You know, it's astounding. So the question is, where do we see a demonstration of this? I mean, we certainly see a demonstration that he was like finished. He was an embryo, he was already running to avoid the Zara. Uh, so we already see that side of him, his, what's called his tendency, his inclination, his proclivity to go completely to chet, you know, avoid avoid the Zara and so on and so forth. But do we see any tendency or do we, do we see any kind of power that he can subdue this? That's an interesting question. There's got to be something around in the story that says what he could have been, besides, besides what he couldn't have been. You know, the answer is, there is something that reveals clearly that this man was beyond belief. Asa was beyond belief. But then where is Yaakov's Bechira? If he anyway had a propensity to... We're not talking about Yaakov, we're talking about Asa. And you know where the answer is? Let me ask you something. What's the problem of Asa? What was he so great at? Asa was... He had two distinguishing characteristics for the bad. He was an incredibly arrogant person. Geus, Gaiva. It says, Vayivas Esav is a Bechira, and Esav despised the Bechira. What do you mean despised? I mean, Tomah Bechira is the spiritual inheritance of being the Kohen in your family, because the Kahuna wasn't for the Bechor. So he inherited the Kahuna or the priesthood, so to speak, in his family. Right? So, how can you despise the Bechira? That's what the Bechira is. Right? So, arrogance, geus, gaiva, tremendous gaiva. And therefore, he was a murderer. Because if you kill somebody, what are you really doing? That you're much greater than this person, that you can kill this guy. It, you know, you, it's a, when you murder somebody, you're making a statement that I'm a million times greater than you, and therefore, your life is insignificant to my needs. You see, if I need to kill you, too bad. What do you mean too bad? Don't you have a... Doesn't the guy, doesn't the victim also have a hashivas of some sort? No, there's no hashivas there. Because this man is interfering with my need, and my need right now is I got to kill you. I, murder is the greatest statement of arrogance, because I need to kill you. I, I mean, for whatever reason, you know, you're in my way, whatever. So wait a minute, well, excuse me, how could you kill the guy? Maybe the guy is also hashiv? I mean, guys, worth something? No, no, no. If he is against my knee, if he opposes me, 
We wipe them out. As they say, you waste them. As they say, what? They look at them as a monkey, like you tell them. What, 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 you know, without going into what he's considered, the main thing is he's zero when I need to rub him out. Anyway, that guy, was a Ritzach, menace Ritzach, you know. The second incredible characteristic of Asa was about Taiva. I mean, I don't want to go into his Taiva, but this guy was incredible, you know. You know, tremendous about Taiva and so on and so forth. How is he supposed to work on all this? What? How is he supposed to work on all this? Well, at least give me some demonstration that he could have worked on this. Forget about it, he obviously didn't work on this. When he was 15 years old, he went out and murdered, what's his name, Nimrod? You know, but at least, isn't there some demonstration? You know, and the answer is it is. And it shows you one thing. You'll see, it's really remarkable, you know? If I asked you, for somebody who's a tremendous bad guy, what's the most difficult thing for him to do? What's the reverse? Achno. very good. Achno. humility. Now what's, the, what, what's a classic expression of humility? Is to submit to authority. Is it not? You submit to an authority, right? That's tremendous, uh, that's humility. Because you submit to an authority, you know what I'm saying? You submit to an authority, correct? That's a tremendous expression of humility. But that's the exact opposite of gaiva, right? So the question is, do we find Asa with his geos in any way submitting to authority? What? Exactly. That's incredible. But I want to tell you something. It's not that Asa was kibbut obeying. No. Omar Rabbi Shim Gamliel. Rabbi Shim Gamliel says the following. Uh, is what he says. I was the greatest individual in my generation to observe Kibbutz of Aim. Interesting, that's what he says. But I found that my uncle, my feta, Asaph, was much greater than me. Again, I mean, this is what it's being said. Omar Rabon Shimon I was the greatest man in my generation in observing the myths of Kibbutz of Aim. But I found that Asaph was much greater than me. Where do you see this? Because it's incredible. When Asaph used to visit his, <coughs> his father, he used to change his clothing into big day yontif. I mean, obviously that's what they wore, you know. He used to change his clothing into clothing that was appropriate for a king. And then he used to go visit Yitzchak. When's the last time you changed your clothing to visit your father? You know? Yeah, it's, it's a, excuse me, nobody does that, you know. He actually changed, probably showered and dressed and everything like that because he was going to visit his father. So Rabbi Shimon says this is unbelievable. He was the greatest kibbutz aim, probably in history. But that wait a minute, that doesn't make sense because he had the greatest geos in history, maybe, right? He was an unbelievable guyver. So how can you, how can you, what do you call it, um, justify? How do you, uh, what do you call it? Uh, reconcile. Reconcile. Thanks. That's the word. How do you reconcile a man with this incredible geos arrogance? You know, demonstrating the greatest submission to authority in history, maybe, right? And the answer is, that's Esau. Where he wanted to be righteous, he was. And when he decided to be righteous, it was unbelievable. And where he didn't want to be righteous, he wasn't. And when he decided not to be, he was the greatest man in history. You know, it's like, you know, you know the higher you rise, the greater you fall. This is what Esau was. We're not dealing here with a normal guy. We're dealing with a guy who had unbelievable control. But he still had free will. And because he still had free will, he fell. That's what happens, you know. At 13 years old, the Chazal tells us, he went out the Tarbus Raw, 
but nobody knew about it. Then at 15, he went public. Decided no more hiding, you know? So Asa was not, not a mere person. This man was an incredible, he was an of. We don't understand what an of is. An of has a neshama, a root neshama. It's called a shurish neshama that can incorporate millions of neshamas as sparks coming out of them, you know? And more than that, the neshama of an of is connected to all aspects of creation. So when he does a mitzvah, he illuminates with or, kedusha, incredible amount of aspects of creation. That's what made Asif so dangerous. Because if he is an of, and he is makusha, he is connected to so many aspects of creation. So if he does a mitzvah, it's unbelievable, the illumination. But if he sins, what happens? They <coughs> takes the kedusha of all that eerie creation and gives it to the sun. Uh-oh, bad news. You see, and with that, without going into it, because that's not my intent this year, you now begin to understand why Yaakov Avinu wanted to buy the Bechera. Why he wanted to buy the Bechera. Because Yaakov realized that this guy is a chute, and if, I, if, he, if he's allowed to keep his status as an Av, he will destroy creation. Why is the Bechera equal to being an Av? It just means that you're the... No, Bechera simply means it can do, that you have the priesthood, so to speak, yeah. of your family. But the fact that he's an of, but the fact that it's an of, if an of is choyte, it's not you and I choyte. An of is choyte, half the Bria is destroyed. And you know where you see that? I'll give you one more bit. Like I say, you can answer 150 questions with this. I'm just, you know, giving you little sprinkles. You know where you see that? How do we know? So Yaakov, because the question is, how do you do this to your brother? Maybe a guy comes over to you and says, I'm hungry. Your brother. So you say, you're hungry? Okay, let's make a sale. I mean, what kind of business is that? I actually, well, even if it's a pot of beans, what's the difference what it is? You know, lentils, whatever, you know? How do you do this? I mean, every Jew wants to be a hachnos ochem. Ma'adachwe, we, we have hachnos ochem to everybody, a stranger, to your own brother? Come on, what's going on here? And the answer is an incredible answer. And the Torah reveals the answer. The Torah reveals the answer to what was going on in one word. When Yaakov buys the Bechura, or rather when Yesus sells the Bechura, the Torah is going to tell us what's going on in one word. Which is the word? Who? The Torah reveals the whole secret of the transaction of buying the Bechura from Esau in one word. And it's just incredible how the Torah does that. No? Guys can't guess, huh? I'll tell you. What does Yaakov even say to Esau? Michra. What's the next word? Kayoi. Kayoi. Wait a minute. We know it's daytime. Yeah. Well, what's he informing us? Sell me Kayoi as the day. Okay, right now, yeah, it's what? the gratification. Who? Right now, it's the gratification. No, Michwa Kayoim. Sell me as what? You know what I'm saying? Michwa right? That's what it says. Don't say, right? What do you mean? Sell me as the day. What do you mean as the day? Sell me, yeah, I mean, with so Poshup Shah is sell me now. As the day. But, you know, what does that really mean? So that's the giloy of what's happening. <coughs> what happened on that day? Why was Esau so tired? Because he had just killed Nimrod. 
But why was Yaakov preparing lentils? Because Yitzchak was sitting shiva for Avram Avinu. So it was the suda where you make lentils, whatever, right, for the, for the ovel. Yitzchak was an ovel. And he was giving him lentils for that suda, right? Whatever, right? So what happened that day? Avram Avinu died. Kayon, that day he died. Whatever. But this was the period of the morning for Avram Avinu. Why did Avram Avinu die? How old was he? So 175 years old. But he really should have lived to how long? 180. Because Yitzchak lived to 180. So, he, Yaakov, so Avram Avinu died five years before his time. Why? So Chazal says, so he shouldn't see Esau becoming a Russia. Because Rabbanishim promised Avram Avinu that you're going to die of a seva in a good age. Means you will not see the pain and the agony of seeing a grandchild become a Russia. So he died when, when they were 15, because had he lived another five years, Esau would have, you know, it would have been all over the place with his bishop. So that means, so what does that mean? That means because of the evil, because of the evil that Asa was now going to display, because at 15 he now became public, that means Avram Avinu died five years earlier than his time. Let me ask something. Do you have any idea what five years in the life of an obvious? How many mitzvahs he would perform? How many kavonas he had? I mean, you're talking about a person that every day, Boba Yomim, you know, every day was saturated with Kiddusha and how much illumination took place in the Bria. If you deny five years of that to a tzaddik, what are you really denying? An unbelievable amount of what? An unbelievable amount of what? Tikkun. It comes out that Esau denied Avraham Avinu, which absented enormous amount of Tikkun, rectification of the Bria. So it's not just that he killed Nimroy. He, he killed Avram Avinu at the same day. Right? Indirectly, he killed Avram Avinu. Why? Because he was an Av. Esav was an Av. Esav is so powerful, right? And that, therefore, the, we see the evil of Esav that not only was it Nimrod and everything else, but Avram Avinu died five years before his time, which is five years less of Tikkun of the Bria by an Av. You know, not like some local Rebbe. I mean, I don't want to make fun of Rebbe's, but you know, but, and so on. So that's what Yaakov said, Michra, sell me Kayoim, as we see today what you just did. And if I don't, if you don't sell me the Bechero, or I don't buy it, you're going to wind up destroying the whole Bria. The term is Muram is in one word what the significance of the sale was, and why Yaakov was not even a Machnes Erech to his brother. Because every day that Esav had, now that he went public, was going to be Machra de Bria. He already just killed Avram Avinu. Who knows what else he's going to do? It's astounding how the Torah, with one word, can illuminate the entire story. So you gotta, gotta look at that. So say again, the Kayyim. So Michra sell me Kayyim as this day reveals why I need to buy it from you. Because you just indirectly killed Avram Avinu. You just denied, what, the tikkun of the whole Bria from an all like Avram Avinu. I got to get this stuff away from you. So I have to take away your power of tikkun so you won't have the power of Hilkel. So he wasn't just really selling Bechor, he was also selling his whole status as an Av. Exactly, of course, exactly. Yeah. Where do we see that he, even though it's Mirumas in that, so, so 
Are we saying that Kayom is rumors that it wasn't just the Bechorah, it was also the status of, of, as Niyav? Yes, exactly, yeah. But, no, but it's funny, but nobody knew this. So Esau just said, who cares? Ba'ives. So what's the matter Why? If he didn't realize he's giving up his Avahos, whatever. Who? Esau? He did realize that. He did realize He couldn't care. Ba'ives. He despised it, which means, you know, I don't, who cares? He knew he was giving. Everybody knew what the Bechorah was. And he knew who now, he was. The Bechorah, though, equal to up to the, the status you know, I'm sure Yitzchak taught his two kids. You know, at 15 years old, they were incredible. They Eluim Eluim. You know, and, and it says that Yaakov and Esau were indistinguishable, right? Until 13 years old, you couldn't tell one from the other. They were they both davened the same Shimon so to speak, right? They both learned Torah. They were both Masmidim. I mean, we hear Gedolim today that are Masmidim at nine years old. I'm sure Yaakov and Esau were unbelievable. So, could you imagine looking at little Esau, he's nine years old, and the guy is a mighty bucky. It's a masman otzum. Because it says, Shnei, you couldn't tell the difference. Yeah, but we're not looking at one year old where you can't tell the difference. You couldn't tell the difference until 13 years old, even to 15. So, we begin to realize that Esau was an unbelievable fraud. He's mighty tzaddik, at least in his outward appearance. We're not looking here, because if you couldn't tell, like I said, we don't even imagine what the Vilna Gaon looked at at five years old. You know? Can you imagine what Yaakov looked at five? And therefore, if it was indistinguishable to Esav, can you imagine what Esav looked at five? Everybody thought he was going to be a godlike dog. Everybody. You know? But that's where that's life is. You know, Yochanan Kohen Gadol, 80 years old, gave it all up, as they say. You know? Don't believe in yourself till the day you die. And Yochanan Kohen Gadol died. He was 80 years old and he became a kofa. You never know it. Sitkus and Rishus. It's Talim Bechira. So therefore, the Torah in one word reveals why the sale took place. You see, Kayoim as this day. In any case, so this is what happened. So Yaakov then f- bought the Bechira, which means he bought the whole concept of fundamentally of Tikkun. And Esav could no longer do this because he sold it. It's out of it and so on and so forth. In any case... Oh, wait a minute. Every story takes time. Yes. Yes. You don't realize, you have to realize the significance of Dino and Shrem and Yaakov, which we'll get to, because that's really where I'm headed. Anyway, so we begin to have a whole different appreciation, really, of the story of Yaakov and Esau. It's a whole different story. To my two of, of us, really, each one has the incredible job in Ruchnias, you know, and one failed, and the other, you know, successful. And they're only 15-year-old kids. I mean, what's 15-year-old kids? But they're obviously, they're obviously, they're unbelievable gedolim, even at 15. It's like the Vilna Goin at 15. We cannot even imagine Vilna Goin at 15, or imagine Yaakov and Esau at 15. But Esau clearly chose his path. And therefore, this is the beginning. Now, basically, the, the, story, the story, of course, always is that so uh, Esau just won the Tarvis Raw, and that was the end of it, finished, you know? which bothered enormously Yitzchak and so on, you know. But Yitzchak didn't know about the sale. So he thought that Esau was still in the parsha. So he was enormously bothered by the fact that he's not living up to his uh, potential. But you can understand a person that has this incredible Yitzhara, right? You can understand that uh, he's going to fall sometimes. That's why Yitzchak was able to be fooled. Because he didn't know that Yaakov bought it. Yaakov never told anybody. That's number one. And then because maybe he felt that he would aggravate all the parents, whatever. And Yitzhak thought that he was still in the partial run off, even though he knew that Asa failed. 
it was failing. But you figure, look, you know, even Yosef had tzaddik, right? He used to comb his hair, you know what I'm saying? He used to also do stuff that they didn't like, but nobody ever thought that Yosef is going to be a Russia. You know what I'm saying? Actually, they did think. But anyway, we get to that story. But anyway, so therefore, fundamentally what happens now is now Yitzhak has to give brachas or blessings to Esau. Right? Because that, that's the next thing we encounter in Toldus. The end of Toldus. And if you look at the brachas that he was going to give Esau, they're all materialistic brachas. That you should shem it, you should from the, from the fat, from the oil of the shemayim. It's fundamentally gashmis de gebracha. Why? Why would he give Esau gashmis de gebrachas? Because at that time, what Yitzhak was going to do since he was dying, he was going to give away his parsha. Remember, Yitzhak also had the parsha of Gvura, which is Oiz, right? And he was going to give it over permanently to Esau. But he thought Esau was still in the parsha, you see. So therefore, he, he wanted to give over what? He, since the parsha of Esau was each Sodeh, is to go into the field, into the world, and subdue it by remaining righteous, when you're going to give him what? A broch of, of materialism. That's why you find the brachas of Yitzhak by Esau materialistic and so on, you know? So uh, he was going to give that. And meanwhile, of course, we know the story. Yaakov Avinu, he took it and so on and so forth. And then what, and you really begin to see what, what happened when Esau walked in and said, well, here I am, you know, where's the brachas, you know? So Yitzhak all of a sudden sees Gehenim open up. The Chazal tells us that he sees that all of a sudden Yitzhak has a vision where Gehenim opens up. And he was, it says, And we don't understand what that means, you know? You know what is? It's like a psychotic fear. It is a fear that even, even you know, even uh, a Prozac cannot quiet. It's an unbelievable fear. But the real question is, doesn't make sense. If you were conned by somebody, yes, what would, you re what would your emotional reaction be? Would it be fear? Anger. Anger. So it should have said, Vayichas Yitzchak. And Yitzchak was fuming that he just got taken in by his other son, Yaakov, who just stole the brachas. So the question is, why was there such, why was there fear? Should have been anger. Good question. Totally inappropriate. And the answer is, He's the afraid of his son. Who? Which He's son? He's afraid of Asa. Why? Him. Killing him. No. No. Oh, you mean would kill him? He's afraid no. that the son has all this... After all that keep of aim, he's not going to kill his father. I mean, it's like, you know. He's afraid the son has all this stuff in Zuhuma now. Which son? The fact that Asa did this, now the son is managed more powerful. No. More powerful? No. He gave Yaakov the wrong brother. He gave him the right brach. Well, he gave the he gave the brachas to Yaakov. It was the wrong guy. But what I'm saying, he should have been angry. He should have been angry, not frightened. I mean, it says Vayechran Yitzchok Charodi Gedol Admi Oit. Yeah, who's who's going to do Asim's job? I mean, it's all good. Yaakov, that's what Yaakov wanted to do. No, he took it. What was he afraid of? What was this incredible fear? You know what it was? What? That the whole thing now was going to fall apart. Which one? That, that he, he understood that Asa was going to bring the Tekken oil and, and, and Asa blew it. So now where's the Tekken oil coming from? No, almost. No. Uh, almost there. Uh, 
Almost there. Yeah. <laughs> you, you went down the road, but you took the wrong turn. Is he afraid that the Sultan got, actually got everything? No. No. What was Yitzchak supposed to do? He was going to give the brachas to Esau, not Yaakov. Had he given the brachas to Esau, what was those brachas? The permanence of the union of Kriya Sarah, which meant he would have reestablished Esau as an of. And if Esau is an of that sinning, Esau could be machu de Bria. That's what he was, He realized in one instant, wow, if I had given him the brachas, he would have wiped out the Bria. <coughs> and that's and he saw, how do you know that? Because he's okay at him. You know, he, you know, Asa was very good. He was Marama Bepeh. He was a fraud, but he's a great fraud. And he saw what the brothers were going to do with Asa Bad. Yes, exactly. How do you see that? And he yeah. could get him. He saw Gehenim coming in with Asa. You know, I mean, I, Gehenim doesn't come in with a tzaddik. <laughs> I mean, he came, he came. Not lately, anyway, you know. It's Ganeiden that comes. When Yaakov came in, what came in? Ganeiden, right? Ganeiden. Right? So he was expecting, I mean, you know, Asa walks in, and all of a sudden, there's the heat, whatever he experienced, right? All of a sudden, there's enormous heat coming in, and the fires get him. He says, what in the world is this? He realized that the guy standing in front of him, Asa, is an unbelievable Russia. And he is about to give him blessings that would have made him what? The Indian Mashiach Ben Yosef. Right? That's when you realize that. That you almost wiped out the Bria. And he did. Kayoi means he killed Avraham Avinu indirectly. Doesn't he know what it means? So imagine if he would have given the permanent Indian, Asa would have destroyed the Bria. Who knows what he could have destroyed? Because the ability of an oath to wipe out incredible amount aspects of creation is beyond belief. That's why he was. And now you understand clearly the Pshat makes sense. That's why. And he realized that, thank God he gave it to Yaakov, and then all of a sudden he realized what the score was. That Asa was a Russia, and, and so on and so forth, you know? You see. Anyway, it's a very important idea. What did he bless him at the He gave him the same material. Oh, so the Yaakov, so... So Asa said to his father, you know, I mean, uh, you know, it's the father, Tata, as they say. He says, that's his son, you know? And he loved Asa. Because, like the Zoya said, a birds of a feather flock together. Yoav zine is zine. What that means is that somebody loves somebody else who's very like him. Yitzchak was in the Gvura, but it was an internal Gvura. That's always with the ability to say no to self. Yitzchak is a Gibor, right? So he loved Esau because Esau also <coughs> did the same thing, to remain righteous. That's why he loved Esau. It was the same Pasha, you see, and so on. And all of a sudden he's standing in front of his son that he realized a rush of Goma. If he would have done that, that's the end of the Bria. Who knows what he would have destroyed. You know? But Asaph said, listen, fought on your son, you know? Don't you have anything? And that's when he put out the three tears. He cried. Asaph cried, you know? And uh, yeah, Yitzhak his fault loves his son. I mean, after all, it's his son, right? So therefore Yitzhak had to give him some bracha. You know, and, and it's, Zoya says that the three tears of Esau is what destroys Christ's will. Because it invoked the Rachmonas of, uh, of, of Yitzchak. So Yitzchak gave him a very interesting bracha. You can't give him a bracha. I mean, you can't say, I want you to be Matzliach. <laughs> you know, excuse me. 
You know, I want you, I want you to be successful and you decided to destroy the beer. No, no, you're not going to. You know, I don't care how much he took loves Asa, he's not going to do that. But what he did was something very interesting. Very interesting. Because the idea is since he is suing, when Klein Israel has his suing, what could they do? They can take back. So one of the, uh, one of the forms of his suing or suffering is Golos, isn't it? So when Klein Israel goes into Golos, what they do is they suck out all the Nitzvah Kedusha from the nation that they're in. That's why there's all the nations, you know, Greece, uh, you know, Babylon, Rome, Italy, they're, they're all zero now. Why? Because Kaiser took out all the Nitzvahs. That's why Russia collapsed, because all the Jews took all the stuff out trying to be from, you know? The, the, the major kingdoms that Jews go through, okay, they're all, in the, they're all antiquity, they're all buried, there's not, nothing left, because the Jews took out all the Nitzvahs and so on. Yeah, but the we interesting. You know why? Because America's Edom, Asaf. Wait, but I'm not going to get into that. I'm trying to make my work my way to first and always. But in any case, um, so therefore, um, so Yitzchak said to Asaf, you know, I want to tell you something. Try Israel anyway. So he says, look, if they sin, you will sub subjugate Klai Israel. What's he saying? He's saying like this, look, if Kaisel sins, they're going to have to go to Golos, Yisurim, right? And they're going to have to go into a nation that will persecute them. And the rule is that whatever nation Kaisel goes into becomes you know, the greatest nation in the world. Major, major nation. Because the Moshim will not, not mavaza his people. It means even if I have to send you in Golos, I'm going to send you into a nation that's, you know, one of the major nations on earth. You know? Because it's a tremendous bizoyan to be afflicted by Zimbabwe. <laughs> you know? I mean, you know, excuse me, you know? I mean, not only do we have to go and go us, these are the guys that are persecuting us. <coughs> so he'll put them in go us, who? You know, Babylon. That's the greatest station on earth. Greece, Alexander, or, or Poros, Achishverish, you know? Rome, these guys are up there, so it's not a bizoin. So, so therefore, Yitzhak knew that whichever nation uh, the Jews are going to have to go in to suffer, is going, the Rabbanshim is going to elevate them to be a major nation. So that is where he, he rewarded Esau. He said, listen, what I'm going to do is make you the chief of all persecutors of Jews. If that's the case, you'll be the greatest nation on earth. And that's your bracha. So you'll have the bracha, but it's only if your brother falls, then you become the greatest nation. You see? So there's a condition, a caveat, as they say. But fault, since they will sin, obviously, probably, you know. Uh, so therefore he gave the bracha and said that if, if they sin, when he goes down, you will then be the nation to persecute him, and therefore you will be elevated by the Rabbanisham to the major nation status, and that will be your bracha. Perfect sense, you see? So it's an indirect bracha, which is, depends on the chatoim of Klai Yisrael. But in any case, so this is what so far where we're happening, okay? And now we're up to where I really want to get to. You need this just all as an introduction of what the history of Tferes and Oyes is. We already see Tferes and Oyes, that Yaakov Avinu is Tferes of Tferes, and Esav is Oyes of Tferes. Right? We already see that. That's the beginning. That's the split. The origins in Kai Israel. You know? But now the question is, 
Very interesting question. So, what happens after the bracha? So Yaakov goes out and he marries Leah. Why? Because Leah was supposed to be the Zivuk of Esav, since he took... Oh, so the, what the Russian do? The problem is no of, no of can be two things. Yaakov does not have the temperament to do the tikkun of Yaakov and the tikkun of Esav. Because in order to do the tikkun of Esav, you have to be a tremendous Baal Gaiva. That's what you, you need that temperament, because that's your Nisoyen. But Yaakov is not about Gaiva. He's a Muidic Onof. And Yaakov is certainly not about Taiva. So he can't do this tikkun, really, of Esav, only in a very limited way. That's where Yosef comes in? Oh. So what does Yaakov do? He does what he can. So since Yaakov assumed the job of Esav, because that's what happened, he gave up his original job, which is Pashtas Kedusha. And now he took up the job of Esav, which is what? Fiasora, to subjugate evil, Tachas Kedusha. He had to go into the Sadeh. And that's why he went to love him. And that's what the Torah says, Vayetze Yaakov Sheva, and the Yelech Chorona, right? What does that mean? So Rashi says, what does one have to do with the other? Because they're connected, right? So he, Rashi brings out another connection, that Tzadik leaves it, it's an impression and so on. But now you see the incredible connection. Because since Yaakov Avinu accepted the job of Esau in Beersheva, he now had to go to Choron, which is the keeper, which is the... You see, you want to see the connection. So he now has to become the Ishsadeh. Amazing. So he becomes the Ishsadeh. Yaakov Avinu becomes the Ishsadeh. Therefore he goes to love him. And love him have all these kinds of, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, and so on and so forth. And since he took over the job of Esau, of course, he also married Leah. That's obviously what happened. Until, so he stays with love him for 20 years. Long time. 20 years. After 20 years, uh, Yaakov Vino says, hey, enough is enough, I'm out of here. But why? And that's the next great story, because no man can be an of to twice. He cannot be an of, like I say, he can't do his job at Aesop's, totally. He can do his job at Aesop's, he can be temporary, it's well, temporary fill-in. But he can't do the job of Aesop's, because it requires a temperament of what? Of Taiva and Gaiva. It requires a different temperament. So therefore, the Bonsham did something which he never really would have done. It's called piggyback, you know, or rather it's called a, a contingency plan. He gave half of the job of Esau to Yosef. So that's why the secret of Yosef is that he's a chatzi of. He's half of an of, which is much greater than all the shvatim, you see, which was never intended, really. But since Esau failed, so Yaakov took over a part of the job, and Yosef got the second part of the job. And therefore, when Yosef was born, what happened? He went to Lovin and said, I'm out of here. That's why. So now Yosef could accept the part of Esau that Yaakov couldn't. And once he does that, then he doesn't have to be by Lovin anymore. What's the point? That's why it says, Vayikashe Yolad, Rivko, well, not Rivko, Rochel, as Yosef, he went to Lovin and said, I'm out of here. That, that is, clearly ties the two events. The birth of Yosef to the fact that Yaakov wanted to Exit. Why? What's the connection? Oh, so Rashi brings down the famous Pusik, right? And that's what you see. That Vahoyul base Yaakov Leish, fire, Ubeis Yosef Lahova, which is the secondary, and Mamela base Ace of the Kash. That's the famous Pusik. But from here is where it comes from. Because when we, that Rashi realized the tie-in, that the tie-in of his exit of love and his tie to the birth of Yosef, why? Because now that you had the Lahava, 
you right automatically you don't need Yaakov anymore. Beis Esau will be the Kash. But wouldn't you expect Yosef to be born to Leah? Because. No, no, come on, film it. No, because what you mentioned earlier is what Le Leah was, was for Esau, and Esau was was always. I mean, Esau was the tikkun Leah. Who was the Zivug of Esau? Leah. Leah, yes? So she was in the union of Esau, right. right? So therefore, if she was in the union of Esau, then who should have Yosef been born to? Leah. Leah. Right. But we know he was born to? Right. Yeah. That very, that's really an excellent question. How will you even answer that? Because it's a very powerful question. Because it doesn't make sense. Right. Leah was in the union of Esau because that's his evil. So if the union of Esau is to fight evil, to reign righteous, that's exactly what Yosef did. So then Leah should have uh, given birth to Yosef. Instead, remember she was giving birth to Yosef? Yosef needed What happened? So they switched. So Rachel prayed, or rather Leah prayed. Remember, she was going to have Yosef. She was going to have a seventh shavit, which means that Rachel would have been even worse than Bill and Zilpah. Right. right? So Leah prayed, and Yosef was changed into, into Dina. Dina is a female Yosef. And therefore, Rocha gave birth to Yosef. They switched embryos. It's a mess. Because Leah was misspelled. Right? Fine. Okay, so we could say, okay, so really, Shitaka was going to have Yosef. And he gets married to Asnas, which was a daughter. Later on. Right. You know what I'm saying? But really, but the, what you really find is that Leah, you know what I'm saying, who was a Zivug of Esau, right, giving birth to Dina as opposed to Esau. So is it all because Leah was misspelled? Really, she should have Yosef. And she was misspelled that who should have Yosef? Right. Rachel. But then the question is, why did Leah have Yehuda? Okay, you want to switch Yosef to Rachel, right? Really, who should have had Yosef? Leah. Right. So she switched that, and Rachel had Yosef. Right? right? But Yosef? who's the Hispashtas Kedusha? Yehuda. So who should he have been born to? Rachel. So... It answers something, but it doesn't answer everything. Leah originally was Mispalo. When Leah was originally So she was Mispalo Taco. Okay. So I should have had Yosef, which makes sense, because Yosef followed the job of Esau. So instead of that, so Rochel took it. But wait a minute. Okay, so, but Rochel was still Rochel, so she should have had Yehuda. Mashiach ben Yadovit. He's Pashis Kedusha, because that's really the job of Rochel. Right? But she never had Yehuda. It was Leah that had Yehuda. Why? That's the question. Was Leah originally was Mispalo yeah. so That's high. your That's question. question. <laughs> Got it? It's not mine, it's yeah. So what's the answer? Leah was Mispalo. incredible answer, what? Leah was Mispalo so hard in the beginning, not to be the, that it, it could be, it worked so well <clears throat> that, that she ended up having the Shabbat And he heard Davin not to marry Asa. No, no, she, she wouldn't have switched her to a test. She just would have switched the embryos. That's all. You know what the answer is? Well, I remember I, I heard this partial was a, a tremendous question. You know, what's going on here, you know? Okay, you know, but you know, the Orachayim, HaKodesh, says something which is the answer. He says something which doesn't, uh, maybe that was his intent. He doesn't answer the question with his Yisoyed, but it answers the question of the Yisoyed. When Yaakov married a woman, who was the woman he married? Leah, first. Yes? What was the job of Yaakov? 
Yes? Who was his real Zivuk? Rochel. So she was really in a parasha of Hispashis Kedusha. Yes? But who did he marry, really? It wasn't Rochel. It was Leah. Correct? So Yaakov, when he was together with Leah, he thought it was Rochel. So his Kavona, that she would be the Zivuk to him, which is Hispashis Kedusha, removed the Kfir Sarah from Leah, and he actually put into all a different chelik nishama, which is his pashas kedusha. Therefore, Leah had Yehuda. That was all answers only Ruvain. It wasn't answering Yehuda. Who? Well, no, it changed Ruvain. her. It changed her. Was she being changed from that first night? You told my Yaakov is kavona. If you look at the Orachim, it says an incredible thing. I forgot the exact lashon, but he says we do not understand the kavona of a tzaddik at that point in time, when he's with his wife, you know? The, the kavono, because remember, he was thinking about his, his wife. Remember Yaakov Avinu said? He said to Lovan, come on, I want to marry her and I want to come to her, which of course means to live with her, right? So Rashi said, even, even Groba people don't talk like that. You know what I'm saying? People don't want to say, excuse me, let me, so we can, you know, be together. And nobody talks that way. We're talking about Yaakov Avinu. But the answer to that is what? He wasn't interested in the uh, the pleasurable aspect of it. He was interested in his tikkun. He wants to get together with his wife because he's going to make shvatim. It's all the one that bothers him. I need to make shvatim. Right? So clearly then, when he's together with his wife and this happens to be Leah, what's he thinking about? Is it pleasure or is it tikkun? I mean, it's obvious it was that. It's, you see that in Chazal. It's even in the Torah. You know what I'm saying? He's thinking about Tikkun. In fact, that's why he's even used that Lushen. And I want to come to her. Excuse me, what are you talking about, right? So therefore we see his whole Kavana, really, is Tikkun. Is the Tachway, is the Tachus of the Bria. So therefore he's Kavana, and Yorchaim says this, you know, although he doesn't use this to answer the question, that's my Chiddush, you know, but it clearly says something. And he says, that the kavon of a tzaddik mishas that time is beyond belief what it can do. And it can mishan in the shamas. Look, we don't know what that means, mishan in the shamas. Look, Leah, who is his wife, changed the, from a, you know, changed the shama of what? Of Yosef to Dina. That's a pretty good job. I don't know of any medical doctor that could do that. You know what I'm saying? That's unbelievable. To change a boy into a girl after they're already, the chromosomes have already done their job. You know, how do you do that? that that's Nisan. You know what I'm saying? If Leah could perform this, I would imagine Yaakov could do at least that. And that's what he did. But what he did, what she did, is change the sex of the child, the gender. He changed the whole deacon of the kid. You see, of, the, of, of his wife. You see, and that's what the Orachayim HaKadosh wants to say. That the Kavon of a Tzaddik is beyond what we imagine, and so on. So what he did is he invested Leah who he thought was Rachel, which is his Zivug, into the parsha of his Pashtas Kiddushah. Well, Leia should have never started with Yosef, because she became, a, she became Rachel's job. Half, half. Half, whatever. Why, why? Listen, listen. Maybe, you know, maybe half of it is... I, I, I was not... I, 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 was there, you know, I'm... So you see, but, but it's much more than that. So Leah had Dina, right? Dina was from Rachel. That was her job. Really from Rachel. Rachel had no shaykhs today. Wait, wait. 
But so therefore, Dina, right? Dina is from from Leah, right? That's why she was called the Yatsonis. She would she was aggressive or assertive. I mean, you know, she'd go out and, and do things. You know, which is critically important to the next uh, area that we're going to talk about. And you're going to understand the whole real the whole concept of Tveres Vioyes. What happens? It, 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 it's incredible what this answers once you understand this. But we're not going to have time. We'll have to do it next week. But right now we're at the point in the story where Leah is has been invested with his pastor's kedusha because of the kavon of Yaakov Vino, right? And therefore she will have Yehuda. Leah will transfer, of course, Yosef into Rochel, and Rochel's pasha therefore changes. Show her pasha changes into what? Fiyasarah. Why do you think she's buried on the way? She's not buried in Moras Machbeila. As you will see, because the job of Yosef is to be isolated, and his Yisun is Mechapa for Klai Yisrael. That's why Yosef went to Egypt. Well, how do you get into that, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's a whole, you know? You begin to understand what, what, that this had enormous repercussions about what the lives of these people are, and so on, which we'll talk about next week. But anyway, right now, this is where at the point of the story, where, uh, but apparently Leah still had certain aspects of, you know, of, of uh, uh, that's why she was going to have Yosef. She still had certain aspects. But clearly it was enough to give her also the whole concept of Yispashtas Kedusha, where she would have Yehuda, and so on. So we're at this point of the story, where now we have Yaakov is about to leave, uh, he has Yosef, which comes from Rochel, and so on, and Yosef was going to take over half the job of Esau, right? And that's where we're at. And the next big thing we have to talk about, the next big story is... Who? Dina. No, no. Before Dina, the fight between Yaakov and the Malach. It's critical to understand what happened with Dina. Once you understand what the Dina, you understand first the Oiz, and once you understand first the Oiz, then you understand why Yosef is buried in Shechem. You understand a lot of stuff. How all this incredibly comes out of the origin of the origin. Why did it lay in I find this is a fascinating way to learn Chumash. A whole different chumash, literally. But the incredible thing is not only different chumash, but it's it's the real story of what's going on using the exact same sukkum to understand the superficial story. That's what the.